everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, it's Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly podcast. How's it going, James? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good. All right, let's start this thing off. Go over your trade you had on last week. Yeah, so I do not believe I had anything closing, but I did get into some new trades. Um, I think I was still building out the uh, May monthly contracts for my neutral stuff. So uh, I was able to sell an iron condor on jets. This is only my second time playing them. Um, but the first time I think I've got an April expiration, I want to say, let me check it out really quick and see what I got going on with them. Yeah. So I've got the April 16th, which is the monthly and they're trading right now at tw- a little bit over 27 and my range on my April position is between 25 on the put side and 33 on the call side. So they're sitting pretty and that expires Friday. So that worked out pretty well for me for April. So um, I thought, you know, why not do another position for May? So I was able to get that on. And then also um, KRE. So that's another one that I want to say this is my second time trading them. And right now KRE is at 67.42. And that one's sitting pretty as well for the April. Um, My short put is 61 and my short call is 75. So the pricing looks a little funky, but with a week to go, um, that thing's looking like max profit. So think of these contracts are pretty worthless right now. So that's another trade I got on, uh, but for the May 21st expirations. And then I played MJ several times. I think I've been playing them since like January maybe. So, um, and it looks like the April contracts are worthless now. So that's going to be max profit. So I put on another neutral position for me um, on MJ. And then I also was able to, get into positions on spy and QQQ. And um, I know my April position for spy on the call side right now is in the money. We were kind of talking about them last week on this this insane rally. And uh, so I'm kind of hoping they pull back there uh, for my April position. Uh, It's only a one wide, so it's not a ton of risk, but it'd be nice if they cooled off a little bit uh, before Friday and I could go max profit there. Um, but for the May position on SPY, um, I just did an iron condor again because I saw the range on the call side was all the way up to 426. So SPY could get all the way up, you know, to 426 by May 21st and I could still go max profit. So kind of looked at it and thought it was pretty good range still on the call side with this massive rally they've been on. So, um, yeah, those were my, uh, trades that I got into last week. Okay. Yeah, I had a pretty boring week as well. I didn't have anything closing, and I only got into uh, two new trades, and that was uh, FSR. I sold a put vertical, a 15-13, uh, 
that expires April 16th. Uh, that one, man, Fisker just can't find a bottom right now. But <laughs> why I, I put this on was I was going to um, sell a just the naked 15 put because if I could pick up shares of 100 shares of uh, Fisker at 15 bucks a piece, I'd be happy with that because they, if you look at their chart, they, you know, it's kind of where they settled down for almost a month after they had mm-hmm. that big run up and then they were just sitting at like 15 forever mm-hmm. and then had that massive bike at like, well, they go to like 32 or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I could pick them up at 15, that's cool. But yeah. then I was thinking, you know, why am I going to tie up, you know, $1,500 in capital if I just sell a put spread on them? Still anticipating, you know, if they go in the money, if that 15 put that I sold goes in the money, I'll take the shares at 15. And now it's only taken up uh, $200 of capital. So uh, that's one trade I got into. And the other one was SOS. So SOS was a trip because they had that massive sell off and um, ended up, I don't remember how much I lost on that uh, covered call or synthetic covered call I had. And I took the shares because my short put was in the money and uh, they, after hours, you know, who was it? Uh, Stock twits or something like six guys were planning on doing, trying to do a wall street bet run up on these guys, a short squeeze. And so after hours, everyone piled into it. Um, So I ended up selling my shares at I think six bucks um that day so you know i didn't have sos anymore to run the covered call like i was going to uh so i got into a put spread on them kind of the same mentality as fisker i sold the 450 and 350 put spread where if it goes in the 450 cool i'll take the shares at that if not then i'll take i believe i got paid ah crap what was it 20 bucks to uh, I'm going to have to pull up my uh, spreadsheet, but I think it was either 20 bucks or 15 bucks to put that on. Uh, so again, same thing. If it goes, if my short put gets breached, I'm cool with taking SOS at 450. Um, and I think that's, no, no, no. I had that on crap. I had that on before the other trade I got into was an iron condor on spy this week. And it was the, uh, it expires on April 23rd. And, you know, same thing. I did it kind of offsetting. I didn't have like equal delta on the puts and calls. It's just spy looks so overextended. So I went down to the uh, 20 delta on the uh, short call and then the 11 delta on the put. So I'm hoping they kind of retrace. Spy has been on this crazy freaking tear for, you know, whatever reason. And I'm a little, I will tell you, I'm a little worried with earnings coming up that this thing just keeps on pumping for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of feeling still okay. I know my, uh, I think both legs of my call side right now for my April 16th on spy. I think they're both in the money right now. Um, I know they're going to cool off probably, but yeah, like you're saying, when is it going to be? Is it going to be in a week? Is it going to be in 10 days? Like eventually they're going to have to pull back and like come to reality. But you know, sometimes it can sit there and for an extended amount of time, keep cooking. So yeah, I'm kind of hoping it dies a little bit before Friday. Yeah. Well, on futures, I think they're right now, uh, 
S&P futures are down like 0.3%. So hopefully they start kind of coming back to reality because I, I want to say they closed on the daily chart, three ATR up, which is ridiculous. So, and yeah. that's the problem too. Like I said, with earnings though, mm-hmm. you know, it could still keep on, you know, having legs, which doesn't make sense. But again, don't try and make sense of the market. Yeah, you're right. If there's some good news or, you know, some of those companies for sure come out with good news, then yeah, things can keep pumping for a little longer before reality sets in. So yeah, I'm hoping it's before Friday for my sake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. All right. So, um, you had a topic you wanted to go over this week. Yeah, actually, I can throw in really quick before we get to the topic. I actually did just close my NASDAQ futures contract because we were talking about this, um, I think, right before we jumped on this podcast. Um, Because last time NASDAQ was here, I think it hit like 13, at least the futures hit like 13,900. And then there was like a 1,700 point pullback, you know, that nasty sell off that happened. And uh, I'm not really much for kind of swing trading it. I was kind of like, yeah, I'll just get into the contract and, you know, just hold it for the long run. Cause eventually, you know, essentially the, you know, those major indexes like uh, the Dow and the S and P and the NASDAQ just kind of go up over time. They kind of dip here and there and uh, sometimes dip hard like the coronavirus crash, but you know, in general they have their little dips and they just keep climbing over time. But after seeing that massive, uh, pullback last time we were around this level. I'm kind of just uh, was like, ah, let me close out. And if I can even get like a few hundred points pullback or something decent, I'll get back in rather than just sitting and waiting and seeing what happens when this thing hits 13,900 again. Um, if it gets there this week, which it might. So I guess I can kind of throw that in as a, my only closing trade for, I did it on, you know, Sunday, but um yeah, so for the topic, and this is something that I've definitely been getting into a lot lately. I know in the past, um, I really haven't been too diverse in the tickers I've been trading. And um, it worked out okay for me, actually. It could have been worse. But um, I definitely, there were some times when if I would have been more diverse in the tickers I was playing, I could have made out better on my trades. Um I remember at one time, like I was doing a lot of trades and they were weeklies, but I was only playing three tickers and it was, um, Tesla, Amazon, and Google. So it wasn't the, (laughs) it it wasn't the most diverse bunch of tickers I was playing. It was only three, right? So I'm throwing like what? 33% of my capital at each ticker. So it's kind of like, you know, it's one of those trades goes against me and then it's like, bam, you know, it's going to kill my week. Um, so lately I've been way more diverse than that. And I actually had a goal, um, I think for May to get 30 different tickers on and be that diverse. And I kind of forgot about, uh, the weekend days and stuff where I can't trade options. So I didn't start early enough in the cycle to get 30 on, but it looks like I'm going to get, you know, 20 or so on, which is going to be more diverse for May than I was for April, which is good. But, um, 
I might start actually trading this week into the June expirations and try to hit that that goal or that mark of actually uh, trading 30 different tickers for a month. Um, I know a lot of people don't get that diverse and some people are okay with doing maybe like 10 or 15 different tickers if they're going to be making that much trade or, you know, that many trades for a month. But um, yeah, it's definitely been working out very good for me lately. Um, I think February I may have, or for March, I may have had like 12 or 13 on, which I think is still pretty good, but I'd like to get even a little more diverse. And I've kind of noticed as of late trying to get into new tickers and new sectors that I've never played. It's definitely been helping me out because if you know, you're overloaded in one sector and you're just making a bunch of trades on like EV and then the EV market just kind of dies off, then you're going to get blown up on a bunch of your trades. But if you're playing like, you know, something in EV, something in maybe uh, real estate, something in healthcare, and kind of spreading that out across different sectors, you know, one of those sectors can take a hit. But, uh, you know, if that's only where 5% of your capital is or 3% of your capital is for the month, you know, if you're looking at this from like a monthly perspective, then it's not going to hurt you. And that's kind of what happened, um, I think, for the March as well. I think there were only like two trades that bit me. One of them, I think, was ICLN. And one of them was DIA. But since I spread uh, my capital out over so many different sectors, I still came out with a nice profit for the month. So um, I know this is something that I haven't always done, but it's something I'm doing a lot more lately. And it's working out really well for me. Yeah, that's one thing. Like you were just saying, you haven't done it for a long time. And, you know, it's working out for you as traders. You have to kind of find your uh, specialty, like what works best for you. Like we put up these videos and podcasts and stuff and the stuff that has worked for us. And, you know, we're finally kind of finding our legs and, you know, sticking to a program. And I think a lot of people, and I did it uh, in the beginning as well as I jumped around from strategy to strategy. And, you know, I'd have a week where, uh, you know, I was doing this same strategy and it wasn't working. And I was like, well, crap, this must be a, a horrible strategy. I'm going to try something else. And it's like, nah, man, once you find something that's working for you, just kind of narrow it down and uh, kind of work on that strategy, fine tune that. But, you know, like jumping from different strategies to different strategies uh, can be a freaking killer and a pain in the butt to try to figure out different ways to trade so like you doing uh diversification with it makes complete sense like especially i think you do a lot of etfs which is even more diverse because you're not dealing with you know one stock you know like you were saying if you're playing ev stocks then you know one company if you're playing it might eat it and, you know, the trade goes against you. That sucks. But if you play an EV uh, ETF, that's even more diversification because now, you know, that one company might have had a bad day or a bad week or whatever. But it's got to have every, the whole sector has got to die off in order for that uh, ETF to, to take a massive hit. 
Yeah, that's definitely something I noticed. And honestly, I think recently when I was trading, um, before I really started getting into primarily ETFs, it was GameStop. And I know we talked about this, I think, on the last <laughs> podcast or the one before it, but those guys and that stupid thing they did just kind of showed me like, um, yeah, those individual stocks can do these insane moves and they can bite you. Like when I was playing Tesla as well and Google and Amazon, like, geez, those guys can make these massive moves in like a week or two weeks. And I'm looking at Fisker right now too. They were at, like you said, they were at 32. When was that? Late? February, they hit 32 and now they're down at 15, 15, 40. So we're talking about a 50% dump or a little more in about a month or so. So yeah, like the ETFs typically, unless like, you know, something like the coronavirus crash happens, you're not going to have an index dump typically 50% in like a month. So I think, you know, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's a good point. Like even if you're going into ETFs a lot, like you're saying, you're definitely going to be w even more diversified um, because like you're saying, it's a combination of EV companies versus, you know, somebody like Fisker that, you know, if you were to buy in at third, when they were at 32, you're going to be like at a 50% loss or something at this point. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, you know, it's just something that's definitely, I mean, I've been getting into all kinds of different, uh, sectors and stuff like i can't i want to say i sold an iron condor on some like healthcare etf or something recently and uh then there's that one for jets and i'm like i don't even know there's like an etf out there for jets and so, until i started trading this thing and it's just like you'll kind of find some random things out there that can give you a little more diversity and yeah and it doesn't matter if you're doing like neutral strategies or um, you know, you're picking directions, if you're doing options trading, if you're doing, um, you know, dividend investing or uh, day trading or anything, I think it's good to definitely spread your capital out. It doesn't really matter what strategy you're doing, but I think it can help out, you know, any of those strategies. If you're kind of being diverse and you're not like throwing 100% of your capital at one sector, um, or one ticker for sure, because you can just, you know, completely wipe out your account pretty quick, you know, throwing a hundred percent of your capital into like EV and then like, or, you know, the oil market or something. And who knows, the oil market could collapse and go to zero and EV takes over. And then like, what are you going to do? You know, yep. I guess you're not going to do anything because yep. your capital is going to be gone, but <laughs> stop trading. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a good point. And that kind of makes me think about position sizing as well with, uh, and this is something I was thinking about. And since the, you know, we traded through the Corona crash where I was, I want to say I was probably, actually I was more, I was going to say I was probably like 50% cash mm -hmm. during the crash, but I think during that point, I was being more reckless. Like I remember doing five wides on Disney for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, day of expiration, Tesla spreads and stuff, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, position sizing with diversification is good as well. Like if you, and 
I was thinking about this in my own trading. Like since the crash, I've had a lot of capital that's just cash in my account. Mm -hmm. And this is my investment account. Like this is nothing to do with my bank. That's, you know, I'm not paying my bills off of this. I'm, I have a job, but this is just my investments. And I've had a lot of capital in cash still. And I was thinking, dude, I need to start getting this money into something like make smart trades, but, and don't do, you know, diversify, put my money somewhere, but position sizing, I need to get my money working for me on this thing. Yeah, for sure. I think like some of these, uh, there's those key aspects that at one time I wasn't paying attention to, and it definitely bit me and I had to learn. Um, but yeah, diversification for sure. And like position sizing as well. And just kind of, there's some of those core components that if you're not following them, yeah, they can hurt you. And definitely certain trades can sting pretty bad until you kind of figure out, okay, I can't, you know, like I was doing before 33% of my capital was going towards each trade and I was only making like three trades a week. And, uh, most of the time it actually worked out pretty good, but there were those weeks where I was just like, man, if I would have spread this out a little more, I could have had a nice, like a much smoother, um, I guess it, you would call it your portfolio balance or whatever, like the ups and downs in your portfolio would be a lot smoother and would not be that hectic because yeah, you're putting like 33% of your capital against those three tickers, you better be ready for some big swings up and down on like your profit loss, you know, when Tesla's doing what it does. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, God, I just lost my train of thought listening to you. I was going to bring up something. Yeah, well, it's gone. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to go over on the the diversification side no i think we covered it pretty good um so yeah i just thought that's one of those important things like the position sizing that um it's definitely good for people to hear and you know sometimes they experience it themselves if they're not diverse diverse enough or you know their position sizing is not quite right they probably know from experience like we kind of you know dealt with and Sometimes you find out the hard way, but if not for people that are out there kind of wondering, you know, where, how they should divvy up their capital into different sectors and stuff, it's definitely something to keep in mind. But yeah, I think we hit on it pretty good. Yeah, I think the most profound statement I've heard on position sizing, and I've heard it from quite a few sources, is if you're staying up late or waking up in the middle of the night, to see what the futures are doing, your position size is too, too high. <laughs> it sounds like you're over leveraged for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're worrying like at two in the morning, if you're going to get a margin call the next morning, because like you're saying, you're, you're load, you're overloaded too much capital on futures or something. Yeah. That's definitely a bad deal. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you have any tickers you were looking at getting into uh, this upcoming? Yeah, week? I did mark down a few here. Uh, let me pull up my current status, which I think it's looking pretty good on all my Aprils for the most part, except for Spy. So um, TLT, that's one that I was playing in April. And yeah, the contracts are worthless. They're trading right now at like 138. 
and my short call is 143 and my short put is 131. So unless something insane happens uh, this week with TLT, that's going to be max profit. So I want to get a trade on for May um, there. And then UNG is looking pretty good as well. I have the April on right now. Um, so I'll probably get on a May position there. And then USO, that's another one. Uh, probably going to put on a May position this coming week. Uh, they're right in a little low. My short put is 39 and they're trading at 4064. So they're kind of sagging towards the put side, but um, kind of hoping they just hang out above that 39 before Friday. So I'd like to get that on for May. And then um, XLF, that's another one. Um, it's kind of right in high. My short call is 36. They're trading at 35, 15 right now. So that one, since they're kind of riding so high and did that on the April expiration, I might just go up and sell a call spread, maybe like a 30 Delta or something and kind of hope they're kind of cyclical. But yeah, I'll probably get a trade on there in XLF this week. And then, um, yeah, those are probably the five trades I'm going to be looking at this coming week. Uh, is there anything that you're looking to get into? Yeah, one of them that looks like a great setup, and I guarantee you've already got something on for them, is IWN. Um, is that the um, IWM, just, the Russell 2000 ETF, or is that something else? Yep. Yeah, IWN. Um, I, it's just, man, it looks like a great setup mm -hmm. right now for put spread. But I just can't get over the fact that, you know, the market is where it is. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it looks like a great setup, but I'm like, man, how much more legs do these things have? So I might hold off on that. Uh, another one is CPRI. Uh, I'm thinking that thing's going to make a move higher. Oh, yeah, they um, dipped down to like around 45 or something. And then, man, they kind of ripped right. Yeah, it was a huge sell-off. Like they were up at 58 and then had a hard dump. And now they're, yeah, they're blasting off again. Yeah, it just depends. It, they seem like the options are fairly mm -hmm. liquid. I could get into something. They're not like super liquid. That's kind of why I got into uh, that SPY trade that I did this week is with spy being so liquid, you're going to get a good mm -hmm. fill and you're probably going to get filled immediately. <clears throat> so it's a tough thing about trading um, options on a lot of stuff is, you know, the liquidity. So um, we'll see if I can get filled on something on them. Another one that I am bullish on is uh, ADM. Pull it up. Yeah, they're, just, they're trading like super sideways mm -hmm. right now. But with the TTM squeeze that fired uh, to the upside about four days ago. So I think they're going to continue this nice run up. So I think I'll be selling a uh, put spread on okay. them. And I got a couple bearish things. It's uh, Wish. And I thought that was like Wish.com, but it's not. It's, I don't know what the heck the company is, but the chart's telling me 
they're going to keep on eating it. That, uh, yeah, Context Logic, I guess is the name of the company. I don't know where that yeah. Wish ticker comes from, but <laughs> yeah, they've been dying for like, wow, since like February, late January. They kind of started to die hard. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I've wanted to play uh, bearishly. And I've noticed that I, you know, look at it. I'm like, dude, they've been dying for like the whole year. They, there's got to be a rebound right. at some point, and they just never do. Like, um, ride. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, wow. Is that Lordstown? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I way a long time ago. I was like, okay, I'm super bearish on these guys right now, but they've already just died off so hard they got a rebound at some point and they never did they just been i i feel bad for them they've just been completely falling off Mm -hmm. a cliff and if i just would have you know been like okay i'm bearish on them i'm gonna make a play you know it would have turned out pretty good but you know yeah they were up at like 32 and then that's weird i'm looking at the daily chart and they've hit that 32 three times in the last year and then yeah after that that third hit it just Man, yeah, it's ugly. It looks like they're kind of consolidating a little bit uh, last few weeks maybe, but I don't know if they're going to actually survive or keep going down. Yeah, I think that's one of uh, the problems with the EV market right now is all of these companies that make these massive spikes, they get these spikes because some news comes out that you know they're going to get some sort of contract with you know, Amazon or um, a government contract for delivery vehicles or whatever the hell it is. And then I'll see a news story and they're like, oh, these people think they're going to complete with or compete mm-hmm. with Tesla. And I was telling my buddy last weekend, he was asking about EV. And I'm like, I, it irritates the hell out of me when all these news stories come out and they're like, well, this isn't a Tesla. I'm like, okay, I can go down to a Ford dealership and mm-hmm. buy a Ford. I can go to Chevy, buy a Chevy, a Honda, whatever. So why, you know, is Tesla like this gold standard that, well, it's not this. Okay, it doesn't have to be. It's still, you know, if you're looking to get into an electric vehicle, mm-hmm. then who cares who the right. maker is? Like all these our companies are depending on this news that, you know, they're going to get a government contract or something like that. Like uh, mm-hmm. NIO, their car, if you look at their cars, mm-hmm. they're cool as shit. You know, their stock, I think they're down to like in, in the 30s mm-hmm. right now because, oh, it's the Chinese <laughs> Tesla. No, it's a car company, <laughs> and they make cool cars. Right. Like, and I don't know, just irritating when I hear, you know, well, it's not <laughs> Tesla. Okay, right. that's fine. But there's my little friend. <laughs> the Tesla <laughs> rant. I feel like we brought up <laughs> Tesla like a different multiple times in this episode. <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> and you know i've done all right on tesla and you know they've bit me before so whatever but hey tesla's tesla they make cool cars but so does a lot of other companies (laughs) um well i don't have anything to say (laughs) man i'm kind of looking at ride now and i'm like man they're up at 32 and now they're at 11 i'm starting to think that might be a decent price um because they (laughs) Yeah, well, then forget Tesla, about dude. it. I'm just gonna, 
I'm going to load up and go long on <laughs> Tesla and put all my capital towards it. And then all of a sudden they're probably going to collapse and come back to earth. What is the PE ratio right now on Tesla? Like 5 million or something? Well, yeah, <laughs> probably. Oh man. But yeah, right. You know what? If they start to, I don't know, tick up a little bit, I might go long there, a call or something. It's looking pretty good. Well, I mean, the only thing stopping me right now is, you know, I have my parameters mm -hmm. and the EMAs are stacked mm -hmm. bearishly, right. which I don't like. But TTM squeeze yeah. is ticking up uh, to the bullish side. MACD mm -hmm. crossed over. Um, so, you know, a lot of things yeah. are looking good except for the EMAs. But, you know, at, you look at that price, <laughs> like you said, looks like a pretty good price it, for EV. I mean, seeing it up at 32, like, three times almost in the last year and then this was february 11th it looks like they had their own coronavirus crash again like i mean nobody else had one this year in february but that's that's what the chart looks like like so man just seeing that's like uh what is that a 60 percent dump or something or a 70 that's a massive dump that price just seems good to me it kind of looks like the prices after the coronavirus crash i remember like space was like nine bucks ford was like three bucks um npc was like 16 bucks the price was so low that i was just like i'm gonna have to go long on some of this stuff and like it worked out great because <laughs> everything just you know blasted off from there but yeah that's kind of this is like a coronavirus crash chart here and i'm like man it's not not too much risk <laughs> if i were to buy a call you know like a just out of the money call or something with uh, a long time to expiration. Yeah, I, I can't assume that the calls are pretty <laughs> right? much right now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're going to be consolidating a little bit, which they kind of have been over the last, let me see, they kind of, I guess March 24th. Yeah, so it's been a few weeks. They've been kind of trading in between 13 and 11, kind of in that area. So if they kind of keep consolidating, I bet the implied volatility it's not that bad right now. So yeah, I don't know. I'll take a look this coming week. All right. All right. Was there anything else you no, want to man. go over? Nothing else for me. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, definitely go to our YouTube page, hit up the website. We've got all the scanners um, and tools uh, free for download now. WSTrades.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. We do at least one a week with me and James, you know, going back and forth. And then we also upload, you know, our separate things, which is typically cuts from our YouTube videos, the audio. So subscribe here, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will see All you right, on man. the next Catch one. Catch you later. Bye.